ओम विष्णु पादाय कृष्ण प्रेष्ठाय भूतले श्रीमते भक्ति वेदांड स्वामी नाम ने आई एम अ डिसाइपल ऑफ द इस्कॉन फाउंडर आचार्य एसी भक्ति वेदांत स्वामी शिल प्रभुपाद माई वाइफ ऑल्सो इज इनिशिएटेड डिसाइपल सिंस नाइनटीन मी since 1974 therefore before speaking i have to offer my respects to my spiritual master namaste saraswate deve goravani pracharane nirvishesha shunyavadi paschatya deshatarane my spiritual master's mission was to teach what he learned from his spiritual master and that is based on the sublime teachings of sri krishna chaitanya mahaprabhu that philosophy is known as achintya veda abeda tattva that the absolute truth is simultaneously one and different at the same time and the message of the absolute truth is that the ultimate goal of life beyond religion dharma beyond economic development artha beyond kama sense gratification and beyond moksha even beyond liberation there is a panchama purusha artha the fifth goal of human life prema pumarto mahan love of god and god is a person and so the teachings of sri chaitanya mahaprabhu as given to me by my spiritual master is all based on this principle that the ultimate goal of life is love of god that if i want to be successful in my life then this lord chaitanya mahaprabhu who appeared in india 500 years ago in west bengal that first i must be meek and humble more tolerant than a tree feeling lower than a blade of grass or the straw on the street i must give respect to everyone why because within everyone resides the supreme personality of godhead paramatma super soul there is atma the soul and then there's paramatma god two souls within the body so that is why i offer respect to everyone because god is in your heart and then i should not be thinking or concerned if others praise me or acknowledge me or like me or hate me that shouldn't matter So if I can do these four things then hare nama hare nama hare nama ivakibalam 
kalau naskeva 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 gatiranyata in order to achieve love of god the process in this age of kali the age of terrorism and quarrel and strife the age of kali the age of hypocrisy that in this age of kali there's only one means of deliverance hare nama the holy name the holy name the holy name of god the supreme lord chaitanya taught that there are millions and millions of names of god some people ask me if there are so many millions of names of god then why are you chanting the names ram and krishna and my reply as learned from lord chaitanya and my spiritual master yes there are millions and millions of names of god not only in the indian language but in other cultures they have the name of god that's all right everyone can chant the name of god as is locally understood there's no harm but according to our scriptures the vedas we understand that although all the names of god are equal the name rama everyone can say rama the name of rama is so potent it's as good as chanting 1000 names of god where do i get this information lord shiva told his consort parvati because she asked him why are you chanting this name rama so lord shiva is also a devotee he also chants the name of god he chants the name rama and so he told parvati i chant this name he said i chant this beautiful name of rama because it is as good one utterance of this name ram is as good as chanting 1000 other names of god but then we understand the potency of the name krishna can everybody say krishna in the mahabharat there is this statement that if you chant the name rama three times rama 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 that is equal to one utterance of the two syllables krishna and this word hari hare everybody say hare hare refers to shrimati radharani she is also called takurani mother hara the feminine aspect of the absolute truth so this mahamantra that anai likes so much you told me your mother told me this mahamantra why is it called mahamantra because in the vedas there are thousands and thousands and thousands of mantras but this hare krishna is called mahamantra the great one and i just explained to you how powerful is this mantra so there is another shloka in the upanishads yasya deve para bhakti yatap deve tatagura 
तस्याते कतिहिता हियर्त प्रकाशन्ते महात्मनः दिस वैदिक नॉलेज is not something that's academically understood because there are many many scholars but they miss the essence so this shloka from the upanishads teaches us what is the secret to unlock the understanding of the vedas just because you have memorized or you're informed doesn't mean that you have actual understanding so this statement is crucial in order to understand the import the meaning of our vedic scriptures two things are required faith in krishna that krishna is god and i have to have equal amount of faith in my guru spiritual master that he is the representative of god not that he's god the spiritual master is not god he's representative of god and if he is a bona fide spiritual master then whatever he speaks he's speaking on behalf of god if i can have complete faith in these two then prakashand the import the meaning of the vedic shlokas will be revealed so that's not a question a matter of i might be less intelligent or no If you have unflinching faith in Krishna that Krishna is God unflinching faith that my guru is presenting the message of Krishna then my understanding my reading of the Vedic scriptures will be fruitful Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 This month on the 20th I will perform the annual Bhagavad Gita yagya in the ISKCON temple in Los Angeles they always do the Bhagavad Gita yagya and I am the devotee that's requested to lead the chanting of the shlokas after every shloka swaha and before every shloka om dhritarashtra uvacha and then after the shloka kling krishnaya swaha so it goes for three and a half almost four hours we do all 700 shlokas so i am preparing for that so right now i'm in bhagavad gita consciousness so i would like to give you a brief summary of bhagavad gita with your permission please say hare krishna hare krishna now i have your permission so there are 700 shlokas and there are 18 chapters just as the battle was fought the mahabharat war was fought 
in 18 days. There are 18 chapters. The first chapter, observing the armies on the battlefield of Kurikshetra. The scene is set. Sanjaya is sitting away from the battle. Sanjaya is the secretary for Dhritarashtra, father of the Kurus, the Kauravas. Dhritarashtra is blind. And so he's asking his secretary, what is happening on the battlefield? And Sanjaya, as we learn at the end of Bhagavad Gita, because Sanjaya has a bona fide spiritual master, Vyasadeva, the father of Dhritarashtra, the father of Vidura. So, by the grace of Vyasadeva, Sanjaya is able by his mystic vision, although he's away from the battlefield, he can see everything that's going on by mystic vision. And as the events are going on, Dhritarashtra is informing, I mean, Sanjaya is informing Dhritarashtra. So the Bhagavad Gita opens with Dhritarashtra asking Sanjaya, So, my sons have assembled and the Pandavas have assembled at this holy place of Kurukshetra. What is happening? So that first chapter sets the scene. Duryodhan is speaking to his captains and telling them that they must be ever vigilant and protect the great Bhishma. And then there is a description of the conch shells blown by the Pandavas. And it's clearly stated by Sanjaya that when the Kauravas blew their conch shells, there was no effect on the Pandavas. But when the Pandavas and Krishna blew their conch shell, it cracked the hearts of the Kauravas. This was an omen. And the victory for the Pandavas was guaranteed because of one single fact. Who was driving the chariot for Arjuna? Krishna. Ah, the ultimate factor. Duryodhan and Arjuna previously had gone to Dwaraka and they wanted Krishna's assistance. And it just so happened that Duryodhan and Arjuna arrived at Krishna's palace at the same time. But Krishna was sleeping. So Duryodhan, he stood and sat next to Krishna's head. And Arjuna sat Krishna's feet. Why? Because Arjuna is devotee. Duryodhana is puffed up. But Arjuna, humble Krishna's feet. So when Krishna woke up, he didn't see Duryodhan. He saw Arjuna. 
So when Krishna saw Arjuna, Duryodhana said, I came here first. I should get. But Krishna said, but I saw Arjuna first. So as it turned out, the option was, you can have Krishna or Krishna's army. Duryodhana calculated wrongly, materially. Ah, what is this Krishna? I want his army. Arjuna, because he's devotee, wants Krishna. And that decision was the difference. One tragic mistake. Duryodhana couldn't believe that Arjuna chose Krishna instead of his army. He said, what an idiot. Duryodhana thought, I've got it now, man. I got, this army was huge. As Mr. Trump likes to say, it's huge. This was a huge army. But Arjuna, he wanted Krishna. And even though Krishna did not fight, he was simply the chauffeur, the chariot driver. That made all the difference. But on this first day of the battle, Arjuna's first command to, Arjuna's first command to Krishna, take my chariot, I want to see who has come. And so Krishna, obedient to his friend, drives the chariot. And what does Arjuna see? His fathers, his teachers, his brothers. He sees all these people that he has grown up with. And he becomes overwhelmed with compassion. And he decides, I can't do this. And he gives so many arguments why he doesn't want to fight this battle. Good moral arguments. You would applaud Arjuna. These reasons Arjuna is giving is very, very, very wonderful. But Arjuna is intelligent. And so, in the beginning of chapter 2, he admits to Krishna, I'm confused. I don't know what is the right thing to do. After giving so many objections, and even dropping his bow and telling Govinda, I shall not fight. Arjuna is intelligent enough to turn to Krishna and say, I'm confused. I want you to stop being my friend. I want you to be my guru. I surrender to you, Krishna. No more, my friend. Be my guru. Be my teacher. So as soon as Arjuna surrenders to Krishna, that's the turning point of this Bhagavad Gita. That's the turning point. Up until this point, they're equals. But as soon as Arjuna says, Prapanam, Shishisteham, now the relationship changes. So Krishna then begins to instruct him in Bhagavad Gita. 
So the first thing Krishna instructs Arjuna, you are not your body. You are not your mind. You are eternal spirit soul. Then the next thing Krishna instructs, that Arjuna, it is your duty to fight this battle. If you win the battle, you will gain sovereignty over the world. If you die in the battle, you will go to heaven. Therefore, it is a win-win situation. Then, the next part, Krishna instructs Arjuna in buddhi yoga. Linking with the Supreme by means of intelligence. And then Arjuna asks a question. Can you please describe to me a man who is situated in transcendence? And Krishna describes many qualities. Most important of which... The man situated in transcendence does not yield to selfish material desires. The man in transcendence is self-controlled. The man in transcendence has achieved such a peace that even at the moment of death, such a person is not disturbed or shaken. Why? Because his mind is fixed on the Supreme and he has controlled his senses. In chapter 3, the subject matter is Karma Yoga. Linking with the Supreme by means of action, activity. And Krishna explains in this third chapter that there is no such thing as Inaction, because the soul, the soul is different from the body and mind. The soul is always active. It's alive. The soul is eternally alive. Therefore, the soul is always conscious, always active. The soul is even active in the liberated condition. Consciousness. So Krishna says, since there will always be activity, you should be very careful that your activities are in conjunction with the Supreme. Activities favorable to pleasing God, Lord Vishnu. Otherwise, Krishna says, if you're doing activities that are not in relation with Vishnu God, then you'll simply become entangled. That is what's happening. Everybody's busy here in California. But some people, even though they're very busy, they're getting more and more entangled in their activities. And then other persons offering their activities to God, they are not becoming entangled. Then at the end of chapter 3, 
Arjuna asks the question, My dear Lord, tell me about this all-devouring sinful enemy. And Krishna said, the all-devouring sinful enemy, Kama, Krod, lust and anger. This is the real enemy. That lust, what is lust? I want to exploit this material world for my sense gratification. I want to enjoy. But, as the third chapter of Bhagavad Gita explains, the problem with lust, trying to dominate the material nature, is that it is never to be satisfied. And when your desires are not satisfied, it is as if you are burning in a fire. You will feel that. Because lust is never to be extinguished. Just like you all know, if you have your dia, you keep adding more ghee. The flame continues. So lusty desires, just like that. The classic example, you all know, Ravana. Ravana was never satisfied. And it was his lust that did him in. Because after he had kidnapped Sita, his brother, ministers, so many people told him, give up this attachment for Sita because it is killing us. But Ravana couldn't. Why? Lust. And so he sacrificed one son after the other, trying to defeat Ram. Even the great Indrajit, which he thought was his infallible soldier, even he went down. Ravan sacrificed everything until finally he was no choice left. He had to go out and fight Ram. But you all know what happened. The arrow was sent. Victory to Ram. Ram Vijay. So this is such a graphic lesson. You cannot satisfy lusty desires. And there are many examples of this in the Srimad Bhagavatam. The story of King Yayati also. Very good story. So Krishna says, how do you conquer lust? Regulate the senses. You have a body. And later on in chapter 18, Krishna compares the body to a car. Yantra Rudhani Mayaya. So just like you have a car, it has to have gas, has to have oil, you have to take care of your car. You need your car. So the same way you take care of your body, but not too much. Like they tell you, don't top off the gas. And you give your car the right gasoline. 
So the same way, the body requires the right gasoline. So you have to take care of your car. You have to take care of your body. Chapter 4, Transcendental Knowledge. Transcendental knowledge means that which you don't learn here in the public schools or the universities. That's not transcendental knowledge. Transcendental knowledge is taught by Bhagavad Gita, Srimad Bhagavatam. You learn transcendental knowledge by means of Guru and Shastra. That is transcendental knowledge. So Krishna explains the history of Bhagavad Gita. That it was spoken millions of years ago by Krishna to the sun god, Vivasvan. And Krishna then explains why he is speaking this Bhagavad Gita to Arjuna. Because Arjuna has two qualifications. Bhakto Sime Saka Cheti. Krishna told Arjuna, I am speaking because you are my devotee and you are my friend. So again, that's why Bhagavad Gita is not some academic exercise. If you want to understand Bhagavad Gita, you have to be Krishna's devotee. And you have to be a friend to Krishna. Chapter 4 also explains the benefit of reading Bhagavad Gita. Krishna says, Janma karma chame divyam evam yoveti tatvataha chakva dehang bhunar janma naiti mameti sorjuna. Krishna says, if you understand me, how I took birth, what are my activities, tattvataha, if you understand them factually, then you'll not take birth again. Because in chapter 2, Dehi nosminyata dehe kaumaram yovanam jara tatha dehantara praptir dhirastatra namhuyati You're going to take birth, after birth, after birth, why? Because the soul is eternal. We change bodies. This was also mentioned in chapter 2. Vasansi jirnani vihaya. You change bodies like you change clothes. Yesterday, I'm sure you were wearing different clothes. Because you are cultured. You're not like some people. They wear the clothes five, six days in a row. No, you are cultured. You take bath, you get fresh clothes. Same way, you get fresh bodies, one after another. This is beginning lesson of Bhagavad Gita. So Krishna says, if you understand how my birth, my activities, then this is the last material birth. You will join me in my abode, in my kingdom, Goloka Vrindavan. Chapter 4 also, Krishna points out the necessity of accepting a bona fide spiritual master. 
so that you can understand transcendental knowledge. And transcendental knowledge is like a boat. Many times in the Vedas, material existence is compared to an ocean with rocky waves. But if you're on a nice boat, you're saved. How many of you saw the movie Titanic? So you know the scene. What's the, the scene? Everybody's in the ocean, freezing cold, and our hero, Rose, is on that little bit, and her lover is there, freezing in the water. Right? I love that scene. That's the best scene in the movie. Because they show you all the people in the cold, cold Atlantic struggling. Some didn't make it. Only a few were saved. So that's material existence right there. That's all of us. So when the boat came, right? Few of them were saved. Like Rose. Huh? Not Jack. Bye, Jack. So when you're on the boat of transcendental knowledge, you're saved. So that's why I read Bhagavad Gita daily. Because I want to be situated in the boat of transcendental knowledge. Chapter 5 mirrors chapter 3. But now, it's a little different than chapter 3 because not only do we talk about karma, but more specifically, action in Krishna consciousness. And chapter 5 has as its final verse, very, very important verse. Bhoktaram yagya tapasam sarvaloka meheshwaram Sufridang sarvabhutanam gyatvamang shantam richati. My spiritual master calls this verse the peace formula, which right now is very, very instructive. Because the whole world right now is clamoring for peace. So here is the peace formula. You simply need to know three things and live by it. Then you can have peace. Number one, to understand Krishna, God, He is the enjoyer, not me. God is the enjoyer. I am His servant. That's the first step. Number two, Everything in this creation is the property of God. That's number two. Everything is God's property. And number three, that God is everyone's best well-wishing friend. How is that? As I said at the beginning, God is in your heart. And He's waiting for you to accept Him, turn to Him, pray to Him. That's why every day, my wife and I, we chant 
हरे कृष्ण हरे कृष्ण 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 हरे 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 रामा हरे रामा राम रामा हरे हरे इज दिस साइन ओके आई फिनिश चैप्टर सिक्स इन दिन मुल हैव द आरटी अदरवाइज आई कैन गो फॉर अनदर एट आवर्स All right, I'll just finish chapter six because Bhagavad Gita is broken out into three divisions of six chapters. So chapter six ends the first division. Krishna explains the Ashtanga Yoga system, but very, very concise summary, not detailed. More details are given by Krishna's avatar Kapila. in third canto but in this sixth chapter krishna gives a quick synopsis so the idea of yoga is to fix the mind on the supreme to fix the mind on god because again god is in the heart he's within he's also without in the form of the deity so either you meditate on the deity form or god within the heart but the idea is to fix the mind on krishna savaimana krishna padara vindayo that is the point of yoga practice fixing the mind controlling the mind because the mind wants to go here and there everywhere control it bring it back as that verse in chapter 6 bring it back under the control of the self sense and mind control that is what yoga is controlling senses controlling the mind krishna also talks about the state of samadhi where no matter what happens one remains fixed on meditation And then in chapter 6 Arjuna asks a very good question what happens to someone who begins this yoga practice but deviates gets taken away by worldly mindedness it happens so much Krishna says whoever has done good is never overcome by evil so the unsuccessful yogi goes to the heavenly planets for some time comes back to earth and takes birth in a pious or aristocratic family and is given another opportunity to pick up where they left off <coughs> but then the final verse of chapter 6 is another one of those most essential verses of bhagavad gita yogi nam apisavesham madgitain antaratmana sraddavan bachate yomam samayuktatamomataha krishna says in my opinion yes god is a person that means he has an opinion you're a person i'm sure if i asked you a particular question you would all have your particular opinion like what do you think of donald trump and i'm sure i would get so many different opinions right 
Or if I said Hillary Clinton, you'd give me so many different opinions. Or if I said, what do you think of Mr. Modi? Right? Everybody has an opinion because you're a person. I don't ask, you know, my bell here, what's your opinion? <laughs> it's not a person. So God has an opinion. Krishna has an opinion. He says, in my opinion, who is the topmost yogi? The topmost yogi, Krishna says, Sraddhavan. He has complete faith in me. That's the first thing. Complete. Sraddhavan, possessing faith in me, Krishna says. Bhajate, he performs bhakti. He worships me with all of his heart, all of his soul, all of his mind, all of his senses. Completely engaging everything in me. This is the topmost yogi. Therefore, anyone who is chanting this Hare Krishna Mahamantra, that person is topmost yogi. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama. Thank you for allowing me to vituperate. So now we will do Arti.